Oh, oh, one more thing. One more thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this episode, we'll be discussing Ashes to Ashes, originally broadcast on October 8, 1998, directed by Patrick McGowan, written by Jeffrey Hatcher and Patrick McGowan, and starring Rue McClanahan, Sally Kellerman, Richard Rila, Spencer Garrett, Edie McClurg, Richard Libertini, and uh, who is that other guy? Oh, yeah, Patrick McGowan. And, of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And each time we're joined by a special guest, this time around, it's TV writer and former gossip columnist, Molly Eichel. Mm. But before we bring her on, John... Yes, R.J. What's the ruckus? Well, uh, R.J. Patrick McGowan plays Eric Prince, an English actor who came to Hollywood and ended up running a mortuary. Not that it doesn't have its perks. As mortician to the rich and famous, he got to the bodies first and could sell the celebrity corpse's secrets for a pretty penny. But Prince has a secret of his own. For instance, that his entire empire of Hollywood funeral homes was built on the back of a million-dollar necklace, robbed from the still-warm corpus of a beloved and freshly deceased movie star. When Prince's former lover, gossip columnist, and partner in crime threatens to expose the unctuous undertaker's grave robbing, Prince clocks her with an embalming tool and shoves her in the oven. Now it's up to Columbo to brave a veritable ocean of character actors and sift through a bucket of human remains in order to dig up the truth about a vicious killer. Thank you, John and Molly. Hi. Welcome back to the program. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, so, uh, since last, we, we t- what we've been doing, or trying to do, is uh, we have folks on who did a uh, 90s episode first, and we have them back for a 70s, or if they were back for a 70s episode, we have them do a 90s one. Uh, we gave you a choice of a few. You chose this one. Uh, why Why did you choose this one? Well, um, I have, uh, the first episode I did, the 70s episode I did, I think was Patrick McGowan's yes. first episode. I think so, I so figured, too, And yeah. I think this yeah. is his last one. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. pretty sure. Yeah. So I thought, like, okay, that would be a nice bookend. And plus, Rue McClenahan, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to watch Rue McClenahan do her thing. Well, I mean, and also, uh, as we mentioned in, in your in introducing you, uh, in this episode, she is a, uh, a sleazy Hollywood gossip columnist. And for I a time, w- you were a sleazy Philadelphia gossip columnist, right? I was about to say the same thing, reporting on all the uh, dish and dirt about all of Philadelphia's local celebrities, of which there are few. <laughs> I know! Such, such, a, such a thing exists in Philadelphia. In my mind, it's just constant articles about which restaurant Frank Rizzo was coming out of. <laughs> yes, that's the right. Even though he was, he was yeah. dead at that point, I'm sure. But. <laughs> yeah, newscasters and athletes, and uh, that's about uh, it. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Nothing else. Or somebody happens to be shooting a movie here, and then there you go. Yeah, yeah I didn't even get a good one of those either. Oh, really? You didn't? <laughs> no. when, when were you doing it? You were doing it from when to when? Uh, I was, um, I, I left. so about 2012 to 2015, although I did break the fact that Creed was going to be shooting in Oh, well, they, see, there you go. I left before oh, they nice. were shooting. <laughs> yes, but, I mean, also oh, breaking Creed shooting in Philadelphia, that's like, uh, breaking, like, oh, Ghostbusters might do some filming in New York City. Possibly. Yeah, exactly. Of course, it's going to be. <laughs> don't don't hate on. I mean, the the fourth one was in Russia, so you never oh, that's know. That's <laughs> true. That's a good point. Yes, they could have they could have taken a left turn. Like, hey, Rocky lives in Los Angeles now. <laughs> a- Adrian, exactly. Adrian wanted 
uh, warmer climate, but she ended up dying out there. So then, yeah, that's what happened. She ended up exactly. dying out there. Well, because I think, what is it the fifth one that you find out she's dead? No, it's the sixth one you find out she's dead. Sixth one, yes. Uh, was, this is my terrible, terrible confession wait, that I've seen Creed the zero Rockies. The first Creed was one. the seventh one. The f- oh, my God. Creed was actually good. Uh, oh, I love Creed. Yeah, I thought oh, it was great. The first one is actually a very, very, very fine film. Two's welcome good. To, welcome to the Rocky cast. That's right, everybody. Hello. Yes, we produced this podcast in a <laughs> row house in South Philadelphia. So this is bound to happen from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Fun, well, was... uh, fun Philadelphia fact. Yes. H, there is a fake gravestone for Adrian in Laurel Hill Cemetery. Wait, they left oh. it? They left it? Oh, yeah. What? I didn't it. know they left it. Oh, yeah, and they do a tour where they show you her fake gravestone. It's pretty Oh, my pretty God. Tour. I thought they took it out after they filmed. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Well, wait. <laughs> no, that's not terrible. That's kind of think... sweet. Sweet for like a fake person. They, they've got his. Yeah. They've got his fake statue in front of the uh, beautiful museum of art. And they've that's got a, his, like... It's a real statue. I'm sure it's a real well, statue. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Actually, it's a hologram. Right. You put your hand through it, and it kind of does that weird staticky hologram thing you see in movies. Like, oh, bzz, oh, goodness! I felt a buzz from the ozone. I don't know. Hey, oh yeah, so Colombo, huh? <laughs> We've been gone a while. We're going to drift. Yeah, it's I thought happen. this podcast was about Rocky. What happened? Yeah, I know. That, that's after we get through all the episodes. We should do every... Every seven minutes, we change. It's uh, the <laughs> vibrational rate of the podcast, and we we change the topic completely. Yeah, the Earth 3 version of this podcast is a Rocky podcast. Oh, my God. Let's do an Earth 3 version someday. <laughs> uh, put a pin in that. That's not a bad idea. Comic anyway, book, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this episode... Uh, for nineties, actually, uh, Molly, how many? Is this the only nineties Columbo you've seen? Uh, so the only two episodes of Columbo I have seen are this one and the first one you made oh, me do. So, <laughs> so the first one didn't spark any interest in the series. Yeah, I gotta tell you, that's, it did not. And I think that a know. lot of your listeners were unhappy with the fact that I was not a Columbo fan. Well, I it weren't Blaird, Aaron Blaird, but yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think they were okay with it. Actually, I didn't hate it as has happened. No, it was fun. I liked it. Um, so okay, you should you should check out the other Magoans. Yeah, at least the other Pat's Magoo did. All the the Magoans are well worth it. Get the complete set, and this one I think uh, is up there with the rest of them. I I actually rather (laughs) enjoyed this one myself. Um, except he plays such a terrible, terrible person in it. Like there is no. He wasn't a good person in the first one either. No, but he seems worse in this one. It, It seems like this guy. I was talking to John earlier today. And they really, really go out of their way to make you glad he goes away at the end of this thing. There is nothing at all redeeming. So, I mean, some episodes of Columbo, uh, you'll feel like, oh, well, yeah, he murdered someone, but you can't see, like, eh, you kind of see the point, sort of, even though it was a bad thing you should go to prison. This one is like, no, this, ah. Uh. You kind of see why he murdered her. I mean, well, I, I little, but... Yeah, but still, it was just, ugh. Yeah. So this, again, this, this is a free. '90s episode, and this is yes. an episode not a lot of our listeners maybe have a chance to to watch. So, up, just to catch them up to speed, right? Uh, Eric Prince runs a a high class Hollywood uh, mortuary, which seems like a strange thing to say, but obviously those exist. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh, his former lover is a gossip columnist. He used to send. Where I'm going with this, by the way, is I want to underline the worst thing about Eric Prince. And it comes from a line of dialogue that I really hated. 
so his former lover and gossip columnist, who he used to hand rumors off to and tips for her gossip sheet, mm-hmm. comes back to blackmail him for having stolen uh, a necklace from a dead a dead movie star. And she does this sort of expositionary backstory, Rue McClanahan being just southern and evil, right, in a really delicious way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she creates this sort of like narrative of Eric Prince's horrible life. And one of the things she says is he realizes that he had, that he can examine the celebrities' bodies for telltale signs of drug abuse, alcoholism, and homosexuality. Yeah. And then she just blows yeah. past that and keeps talking. And the question I ask RJ is by that, what does she mean telltale signs of homosexuality? I, I think, yes. I, that I was- think it's, yeah, I think that yeah, it means that M- Patrick McGowan is at some point looking at a dead guy's butthole. Kind of, yes, okay, probably. So yeah, I would get yeah. I heard that line and literally did like a cartoon spit take all over my computer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like I don't like the image of that. I don't. I, but it just it, ma- it makes you it makes you so creeped out by him even more. It is. Yes. Like, there there maybe is nothing you could say that would make it worse. It just, yeah. Uh, yeah, because like I know how you can find telltale signs of drug abuse. I'm sure in the process of embalming a body, you can come across signs of alcoholism, even if they don't have the Dean Martin face. <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> you know what I mean? It looks like you put yeah. on. It looks like you had an identical face made out of a really saggy material, and then blew it up, <laughs> yeah. and then put yeah red right. radishes to eyes. God, him and Cannonball Run is a nightmare. <laughs> right. Anyway. Yes. Uh, and I imagine you can, well, I'm sure there's like signs of alcoholism you can find if you're in a bummer, but the signs of homosexuality was really puzzling to me. And then I just feel terrible once I figured it out. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a, it's yeah. a creepy, weird thing that he was examining anyone. Like you can imagine any, but he came in and, and I did actor or star that... dead. He was just kind of like, eh, checking up underneath just to see if he could uh, feed something to McClanahan. Yeah. That's the other thing is, I don't know if that's true either. Yeah, probably. You... It, it was, can't be. But it was, it was true enough for like uh, people watching ABC on a Sunday night at 9 o'clock in 1998, probably. Probably, probably so, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right, and because you have a... like the mind races. Like, what is it? So there's like, yeah. what else taboo could you do? Right, yeah, yeah. That's it. So that's, like... yeah. But I mean, it does, uh... a, it does a great job of cementing like what a goddamn creep this guy is. And he has no scruples. Yeah, and already... That he's just violating corpses. So... <sighs> Even so even even so, even after that, what he ends up doing in the episode subsequently, it's like, oh, it's terrible, horrifying. But then also you think, like, yeah, he'd do that. They did he too. Would also, do that. They did a thing they often do with the villains, where you know that they're bad people because they're obsessed with time. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he does that. He's timing Aubrey Morris's eulogy for this this celebrity and it's you know, 93 seconds over fred which which i love that that everything in this is just artifice and acting and it starts out yeah. with even the priest for the funeral is just rehearsing and having to cut his script down yep. to make some time because it's just all freaking hollywood fake crap which yeah, is yeah but wonderful. nobody likes a long funeral well okay that's true <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the opposite, where McGowan is behind the, is in the back doing the little, just you know, stretch, stretch out, stretch, yeah. stretch, stretch it out, stretch yeah. it out. <laughs> keep going, keep going. It's all right. That's a Hater sitcom premise, isn't yet. it? Like sometimes be. you'll have a, you'll have a funeral in a sitcom where you have eulogy, to stall. Yeah. 
Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, we're getting like distracted. Eighty-three seconds. No one's sitting there being like, "Oh God, I wish this funeral was over a minute and a half ago." Well, I know, but I mean, the fact that it goes too long, you, you invite uh, like Rue McClanahan coming up and slapping a <laughs> sloppy wet one on the corpse. Here comes the Red Death. Ugh. Another a fantastic line by Sally Kellerman, who turns in. Oh, Sally I'm Kellerman the... in this. I was glad to see her, but then her role is so strange. Oh, yeah, I love her performance so much because she so obviously odd. figured out. She figured out her character was supposed to be ridiculous, and she's like, "I can do ridiculous," and then yeah. just boom, like a nuke of ridiculousness. Yeah, because uh, it, it also because uh, this is not an easy one to get unless you have the DVDs or other means on the internet. Um, she's the uh, widow of the fellow who dies uh, at the beginning of the episode, and um, she's kind of having an affair with Nguyen's character at the same time. But then also, whenever she sees a bottle or a uh, uh, thing of whiskey, she just, like, licks her lips wanting to drink and drink and drink. <laughs> I mean, there's, a, there's that scene at, at uh, McClanahan's house where she sees... Uh, the row of, of whiskey bottles. She's like, ooh, I want one of those. I mean, just like the look on her face and her eyes, it's so great. It's very funny and also sad at the same time. She's like, her mouth, you can see her mouth watering at wanting to pour herself like a, like a couple fingers And it's, she's in a dead woman's house and Columbo knows it. And yes. he's, he ends up giving her this kind of, I'll say it was reluctant permission. Right. He's like, well, I'm sure if she gonna was... going to drink here. it, right? That, that's <laughs> true, exactly, yes. Oh, man. And there's a, you know, her, and again, for the folks who haven't seen it, she has a gooey southern accent that is impossible. I don't think it's any... It's terrible. It's such a bad accent. It's yeah. terrendous. It's like the foghorn leghorn of Lady Southern. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, that was, and when you say that oh, she, like, she knew her character was supposed to, right, she knew her I'm... character was supposed to be ridiculous, so she went, like, she was like, what is the stupidest way I could possibly sound. <laughs> so, so then she goes the faded southern bell kind of way. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah. uh, so which like, is great because Rue McClanahan is also kind of doing a faded southern bell voice. Just that's yeah, her I voice. Be- I believe, right, exactly. Right, yeah, I no, she, comes, she, comes by, she comes by it a little bit better because you're used to seeing her do that in mm-hmm. many, many other roles over the decades. Whereas Sally Kellerman, you're like, what are you doing? What, what the heck Every, are you doing with your voice? Everybody so did such a big, exaggerated role in this, except Richard Rila. Oh, really? the Jump to Conclusions Matt guy, who plays the uh, sergeant helping out Columbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, and I, again, I loved him as like slightly baffled and patient. But he was, compared to, okay, so yeah, the, the um, sergeant who first uh, gets on the case when it starts out as just a missing persons case, he's there, he's very helpful, a lot more helpful a lot more patient and a lot more eager uh, to work with Columbo than a lot of the other folks you see, especially in these 90s episodes, the other cops. Like, I thought mm-hmm. he, his character, I, I would have liked to have maybe seen him in, like, a bit more recurring than this. It, it was pleasant. I liked yeah, him. it. wasn't it was okay. bad. No. And you he actually know that they knew each other and they had worked together right. in previous yes. cases. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, I definitely got that. And I, I kind of uh, wish he was in more of these because I thought he did a good job, and I kind of like him as a character. Like, and you, yeah. and John, you brought that up in your summary. 
This thing is just littered with character actors. Oh, so many. Like, we have so all many. Oh, episodes. Oh, it's that guy, guys. Up. Yeah. Yeah, we got all episode to bring him up, and it's going to be well worth bringing him up. Yeah, there's so it many. Did, I did take me a really long time to watch this episode, because I had to then sit there and, like, IMDB each. Oh. I was like, oh, that guy looked familiar. And then I, like, had to go oh, figure yeah. it out. Yeah. I will, uh, like, I have some good news. As soon as I saw Sally Kellerman's name, I, like, squealed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, this is this is a weird thing to remember, but the first the first woman I ever saw naked in a movie was Sally Kellerman in Mash. Oh, okay, That's yeah, a big one. Like, and a, yeah. a boy will remember that. And then years later, when I watched it again, I'm you know because it was really exciting when I was a young boy. And then years later, of course, it's a terrible violation to have you know her exposed in front of the entire camp, and I felt fucking terrible. Right, it's like that Revenge of the Nerds joke where you're yeah, like, oh, when at first, oh, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's so funny. She didn't know it was the guy, and she slept with him anyway. And you watch it later, you're like, oh, my God, he raped her. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, not, it's not cool. And even worse, it was like in this kind of stupid uh, dork mask thing. Yeah. Doesn't he have like a oh, yeah. Darth Vader mask or something? There's a Darth like Vader that? mask on. Yeah. yeah. It's like I got the head of the yeah. space Nazis mask while you're doing that. Great. These are the worst. Eh. Oh, uh, RJ, good news for you. Sergeant DeGarmo is actually in another episode, Murder with Too Many Notes. Oh, he is. Oh, good. wait, who, which the, one is that? The Billy Connolly episode. Oh, I've seen Ooh. part of that. All right. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah actually, that's okay. one of the things we came away with from this, wasn't it? That we wince when we look at a 90s episode. But, but this, this one, one, I didn't. This one I liked no, a lot. Pretty good. And the thing is, I think a lot of it, of course, is uh, down to McGowan playing the... Uh, main character, but the thing like mm-hmm. he was also in the uh, the one where he's the attorney, also that we watched uh, recently. Yeah, yeah, and that one still was kind of like eh, it's a little clunky. But this one I didn't feel that at all. This one, this and, uh, was, it was a good mystery, and you really wanted to see this bastard get nailed. And there's a lot right. of good Columbo investigative stuff in this too. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like, yeah. <clears throat> I think maybe it was, huh? I I haven't thought about this so i'm putting something together as i speak but i wonder if there was enough material to produce a straight mystery because it really is so loaded with character actors and kind of comedy bits more so than most columbo episodes i think really i don't I, know maybe i think so i mean like the whole mortuary the whole like mortician's ball that they had that seemed oh. a little, that seemed like a little unnecessary but I it liked, was fun i enjoyed but I how bizarre it. it got though the lounge singer singing the songs and, and also be... yeah it was all about that that was great but they but and they then were... those those oh, two guys dressed like old school morticians from the, the 1800s yes. yeah uh, uh but the thing but the thing is that they weave into that. This is a scene towards the end when Columbo's really closing in on the guy, and he's receiving um, this prestigious award from a bunch of other uh, death merchants. Um, but there's a whole like a great sequence where Columbo is just talking to him one-on-one inside an example hearse in this hotel lobby in the midst of this mortician's convention. But it works so well because also... They're in a car with a casket in the back, and Columbo is so confident about it, and you just see uh, McGowan just getting more and more nervous, and just mm-hmm. feeling worse and worse about it, and he just can't wait to get out of this confined space. When he was the one who had tried to get, who told Columbo to get in the car, thinking he'd have the upper hand, and like, no, no, he doesn't. Columbo completely yeah, flips it around on him, which is there's great. There's a good exchange with these two guys where oh, yeah. 
McGowan keeps getting the upper hand on Columbo, but then having to reiterate his upper hand. Yeah. Yeah. Because he does that thing where, you know, once he realizes Columbo's on the trail of the stolen necklace, he just tells him a story that's obviously fabricated. Oh, but yeah, he just he gives him. All right. You want to hear the story? Here's the story. And he tells him the story. And then later there's the confrontation, which we have to get to because there's the yelling across the room segment. Yes. But there's the confrontation in the funeral home. And again, he's just, you know, Columbo flat out says, I know it was you. Yes. And then yeah, McGowan's yeah. like, here's why you can't prove it. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, I know. And, it, yeah. 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 There's a real good, real good mechanism between the two. Which of that, that, that's, a, that's a recurring thing once in a while on the show where it becomes very obvious and Columbo just doesn't give a shit. And he says, like, I know it was you. I, I know you did it this way. I know you did it. Uh, you, you did the murder. Uh, it's just a matter of time before I can actually come up with some sort of thing to trap you. And the killer knows that too, and has that brief like time of like, eh, I don't think you're gonna do it, or I'm nervous you're going to at any moment. But you know, I'm just gonna enjoy it right now while you haven't quite done it yet. Yeah. And I kind of like those but- ones a little bit better, where you've got that, where they both know that Columbo knows. And it's just a matter of time until he finally locks it in and eh, you're screwed. And you have to kind of resign yourself to it. Yeah. Right, because it's like, there's no, like, suspense as to who committed this murder. It's not like Law and Order where you're waiting for this red herring to come and, and, you know, completely change the path of uh, the investigation. But also, like, so it's, it's kind of like, it's like, okay, well, you're, the why we're watching this guy is he's an incredible investigator, Let's figure out, like, let's figure out how he investigates. He, you know, he can, he's smart enough to assume he just needs to get from point A to point B. Right, because, I mean, there's some, like, a mm-hmm. stitch in crime, the Leonard Nimoy episode, where it's still, to the end, you're not 100% sure Columbo's going to do it. You know, they had, but this, yeah. this one, there is no sort of ambiguity. It's like, oh, okay, you know, he's going to do it, but it's, yeah, but there's like, and then the yelling across the funeral uh, room scene. <laughs> That, that's a great thing where it's kind of like, yeah, no, it's a matter of time. And then you get to the tea scene and it just gets better and better and builds and builds and builds until you get to that end part. Yes. But we don't need to get there yet. So, yeah. And it's such a theatrical end. But, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute because yeah. we've got calling up my my chronological notes so we can try to stick to sort of what happens. We had a, we've had a lot of emails recently asking if we can do this. What? Do it chronologically? Be a little more chronological, and I'm, oh, sure. I don't why, think... why why not start like a years and thirty odd episodes in? <laughs> sure, but, you let's know, switch it up. A... So I, I want to go back though. I want to go back to uh, uh, the scene with with Richard Reilly and um, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. The gamble gambles gambles. Yeah, uh, Spencer Garrett. Spencer Garrett. Hers and gambles. Yeah. Yes. And uh, they're in the house that. Uh... Oh, actually, we should go back a little bit because McGowan not just doesn't just slug her with the embalming tool yeah. and hides her in the fridge and burns her later. He goes to her house, drops off her earrings so it looks like she dropped them off at home, right. gets onto her computer, which is the second time we've seen this in a 90s episode. No, we haven't talked about the first one, but yes. But, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That one's still, that's still yeah. coming up. Yeah. yeah. We've had some scheduling issues. Anyway, yeah. Um, but he gets on, her, gets on the investigative reporter's computer, erases the story, replaces it, changes the time stamp, and then and then leaves this scene of destruction as though she's been kidnapped. Right. And so then we get the scene of uh, of uh, Sergeant DeGarmo and Roger Gambles, the assistant to the murdered woman, uh, having a conversation. And Roger Gambles is or Spencer Garrett is playing Roger Gambles 
obnoxiously flamboyant. Really? I didn't catch oh, that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that I know, wasn't... I know, I know. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got us, RJ. At all. What? You got us. Uh, yeah. But uh, the way Columbo... There were some fun- hand flourishes in there where I was like, that's unnecessary. We already know he's clearly coded gay. <laughs> like, yeah. He was jazz-handing his way through that whole thing. But I, I kind of liked his, like, I guess I, I guess you call it bitchiness, but I liked his sass. I just thought, in combination with the flouncing, it was a little too much. But, I mean, it's understandable because he was, like, a very... Uh, he was frustrated, he was upset, he was right. worried... But then once you get to the point where the, the dog gets involved, he's kind of like, okay, yes, I'm going to help with that. And then later on right. we see him, he's just all about he's, helping he's a Columbo. Butt. He's fine with it. He knows, like, okay, we got to help the investigation. So, yeah. He was, he was really redeemed as a character, but I liked how Columbo treated him at first. Because Columbo identifies that the guy's going to be a pain in the ass right away. And, uh, any and sort so, of assistant to anyone always treats Columbo oh, badly. Yeah. Yes. Always really like a lower servant. So Columbo gets his name wrong, uh, you know, yeah. Mr. Gambler. And yes. then there's a there's the great bit where Garrett is at the computer and goes, I've already shown the sergeant. Would you like to take a look? Do you want to see this? Do you do you want to see this? <laughs> yes. And yeah, yeah. Columbo's just staring at him and then just goes, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a look. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> In that real dismissive, like, you're this close to getting punched kind of voice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, I gotta yeah. tell you, I was I was very surprised by the prevalence of technology and the prevalence of like, especially the internet and like, she had a beeper to get her email and all this stuff. Oh, know, that, yeah, uh, yeah. that totally, the fact that Prince would go and think to check on her computer, and when right. you saw her like initial pitch for the, when her initial like ad for the story, she's like, if you have a tip, email it to like jealous bitch at, or like vicious bitch at like blah blah blah. <laughs> that wasn't it, but vicious Yes. She did not say the at, which I thought was funny, and I wondered yeah. if it was because people were not used to the at symbol I, no, yet probably, in 1997. Yeah. 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 I think probably they just didn't want people to be emailing anything. <laughs> but I was I I remember I was watching that and I was like, wow, she's given out her email address. Like that's such a weird. <laughs> well, I would did not expect that from a show. Well, it, from it's, that it's to get ago. such important stories as OJ, a lifeless ordinary, and aphrodisiac, Hollywood's new rage, Hollywood, <laughs> the new bad boys, pot, <laughs> the new Hollywood smokescreen, and awards, the big surprise. Nice. Big, big stories like that you need to have there. You got to have that email address to get those hot tips. Nice, and the, nice, the re- new, nice. The new snow in, Bo- in Hollywood in uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, there's there's uh, snow in the hills of Beverly. It's cocaine. Yes, <laughs> of course it's cocaine. What else would it be? I like it. I like it. I like that when he wrote that fake bit, he called it the hills of Beverly. Yes. <laughs> that's a very yeah. that's a very charming way yeah. of saying it. Isn't that from the uh, Beverly Hillbillies theme song? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Used to Maybe go to the hills, that, yeah. Beverly. Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, one thing uh, that that scene you were just talking about too, uh, when so dog, uh, Columbo's beloved dog, uh, plays a big role in this. He just uh, barges into the house and is pawing at the door and ends up uh, leading them to a clue that um, uh, Verity Chandler's dog had just been not fed all night just back there her dog named duella is just out there and colombo is so upset so so upset at this little pup he rages he goes insane the food where's the the food food food? for the pup where is it water water you need yeah 
I thought that was endearing. And of course, uh, I probably named her dog Luella after Luella Parsons. That's right. Yes. So it's a little uh, little tip there to some old Hollywood gossip mongering history. It was a really cute dog. It was kind of a cute dog, yeah. Three like three month old bulldog. It's yeah, that's a good dog. yeah, yeah, very that's very cute. cute. Yes. Um, the dog Columbo. I'm going back. Oh, so uh, going back to the murder scene though, when he just beats the heck out of her with that um, that uh, embalming tool, that to me is like uh, of the '90s episodes I've seen so far. The way it's shot, uh, the way he acts it, uh, the edit that, that was like one of the most '70s Columbo seeming sequences to me mm-hmm. uh, that I've seen thus far because there's which is very violent and direct and very filmic uh, which you don't see a lot in these episodes of the latter era so I actually well aside from the horrible <laughs> vicious murder I liked that <laughs> I thought uh, I thought it was weird that they showed the body again after he did that second more violent yeah uh, and there's no the and there, yeah there's no obvious yeah, there's damage should, from that there's no blood or damage yeah again, but I think ABC nine o'clock thing? on a Sunday, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. Oh, and a uh, the assistant at the funeral home, uh, that is uh, Patrick McGowan's daughter, actually yes, played Rita, is. the assistant. Yes, Catherine McGowan, I believe. Yeah, but uh, she's got a large. Right. Yeah, she's got a large role in this. So she shows up a lot, but that's that's his daughter. That's Aww. nice. Thanks, nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So we're, oh, you know, uh, I guess we're going up now. We're about at the point when Columbo is going to introduce himself to the murderer. But before we get there, we get Edie McClurg. Yes, I was so happy to see her in this. Edie McClurg's great. Who hates her husband who died in a boiler explosion? <laughs> She's Just playing on his best in this. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is good because that even sets up uh, later on the the way too heavy funeral urn. Right. Because like that the guy wouldn't have had enough material to Oh, this reminds out. me I had a I had a question about his his logic here and I don't follow it. So hmm. the way he disposes of the body yes. is there's there's the funeral for Tex Houston or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. And instead of burning Tex Houston, he burns the body of Verity Chandler, the gossip columnist he murdered. Right. Then the next day when he gets in, Mister Lurby, the the what did he do? He was a magnet for like fabrics. Yeah, he sold he sold a, yeah he was some sort of fabric. Second knitwear, yeah, yeah, like knitwear, yes, knitwear, yes. So he takes he takes the knitwear guy and he puts him in his cheap cardboard box, and then he takes Tex Houston and puts him on top of Mister Lurby. Says something really creepy. Oh, double occupancy. Sorry, gentlemen. This is double occupancy. So, but and that's then, another thing, too, where it seems like he probably does that all the time, making him even more oh. of a creep. He probably talks to the dead bodies all the time, making snide <laughs> remarks. In his creepy sing-song voice. Yeah. Anyway, so he puts the two of them in, and they burn and die. But why didn't he just put her in the coffin with with Tex Houston the first time? Yeah, I don't know. The only thing I can ring it up to is just panic the first time i don't Maybe. know but yeah that is a weird thing like he should have done that also uh you wouldn't have had a 90 minute episode True. and you wouldn't have had the end ending uh but yeah like, I, I don't I, I agree yeah. I, I don't oh okay wait i found it Oh what i all right uh the code of cremation practice states that the coffins must be cremated along with the deceased right for a cremation to take place the coffin is placed into a cremator and then etc so 
he had the big fancy coffin. Yes. And maybe if he had put two people in there, if the lid didn't close, he wouldn't be able to get it in. Oh, that could be it. Whereas, like, a cardboard deal, you can shove those down. Shove them in there, yeah. And you can just, like, you can just throw the lid in after if you want. Maybe Did you just it. really look up, like, the, co- the, the actual crematory code? That's a good question. Yep. Okay. That's like a yeah. deep cut that Magoon is going for if he like needs it to be if it's like really following the letter of the crematory code there. I'm That's not I'm not super into shows that make you do homework, but I'm gonna give him a pass on this one. Yeah, sure. Plus they're but all that... dead. So sure, good, good. Oh man. All right. Well, they are. Patrick Magoon's dead. He's fine. Yeah, he is. Good job, yeah. Yeah. Edie McClurg's still around, don't hurt her feelings. Rue oh, McClanahan's yeah. still around, isn't she? Is she? Oh. Is she the last golden girl? Let me look. Oh, the last. <laughs> no, uh, Betty, uh, Betty the last, White. My the last. Friend. Oh no, yeah, Betty. Oh my God, Betty White. She's Jeez. the last. Yeah, she's the last leak in the tongue team. Yeah. Betty White is the last surviving Golden Girl. So oh, R.I.P. Rue. So she's got the key to the treasure. Isn't she? What was? Who was the? Who was the one that wasn't B. Arthur? Oh, Sophia. I don't remember her real name. Oh man, they were the worst people. It's like one of the most charming shows in television history. Uh, Estelle I Getty. Was, yeah, that's it. Right, I was and she died in two thousand eight. Oh, jeez. Okay, all right. Never been Life a is a lot less. Yeah, it's a cute show. Yeah, I never a fan. I always I, really enjoyed my watching. Watched it a lot, and I like. Yeah, I never. You should watch the pilot of the sequel. Oh, what the uh, the hotel one? The hotel one because it With has the... Don Cheadle. Yes, that's and right. Che- and Cheech Marin, oh, and uh, there's a there's a pretty popular British comedian. Which one? Who was in on it, too, and I can't remember who it was. But while we talk about Columbo, why don't I look it up? Oh, sure. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, oh, so a nice little also touched the old days of Columbo. Uh, they're, they're talking about uh, Columbo gets a clue uh, that Rue McClanahan was going to be coming to the thing and looking, trying to find someone with the initials SB. SB, SB. Who, who could have gone to the funeral with the initials SB? And uh, McGowan says, oh, well, uh, Sandra Bullock was here, Sonny Bono, Stephen Bochco. And Columbo is so impressed with Stephen Boschko having been there. Stephen Boschko, <laughs> of course, who was like a story editor, wrote a bunch of the 70s ones. Right. So I think that was like I a little bit I was wondering of a... why they got so excited about Stephen Boschko. I was like, I know who Stephen Boschko is. It was like, does the average television viewer in no. 1998 know who Stephen I think, Boschko I think, is? yeah, they were doing like a little nod to him having worked on the show back in the 1970s quite a bit. And so oh. they threw that in there, which I thought that was nice. That's pretty adorable. Yes, it's extremely <laughs> adorable. It's like the Steven Spielberg thing and putting uh, Jaws <laughs> a couple times in the 70s episodes. Yeah, that was nice. Ah, uh, Steven Bochco. He, he, he did okay. Yeah, he's a uh, well-respected right? member of the entertainment industry. Yeah, exactly. But, like, what a dinner party those SBs would be. I mean, oh, Sandra I Bullock, Sonny Bono, and Steven Bochco, you'd have so much to discuss. But it turns out it wasn't. Sam- no, Sandra it's Bernhardt. Sandra Bernhardt is the fuse for is the light for that fuse. There's especially with Sonny Bono, incredibly conservative politician, at the end of his life. That would have been amazing. But doesn't she live in New York? She wouldn't be at an LA funeral for an old cowboy actor. Yeah, she why travels? is Sandra Bullock there? I, I think just... yeah, young hot starlet going to they the old. Cowboy did they say Sandra Bullock or Sandra said, Bernhardt? No, they said Sandra, Sandra Bullock. Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Oh, bummer. Sonny Bono and I Steve thought Bosco. I thought they said Sandra Bernhardt, which was much no, more entertaining. No, no, uh, it was Sandra Bullock. Uh, but it wasn't any of those people. The SP actually stood for Sunset Boulevard. And a very, yep. very, very, uh, I think, 
direct probably trying to reference the film by having this old reclusive actress from the golden age of Hollywood and silent films who died. And that's the one who is Patrick McGoon's character actually stole uh, the diamonds from around her neck and dropped them in her mouth to hide them from the cops, which is creepy also because this guy was a goddamn creep. But when uh, Columbo goes to her old house to try to investigate that, he's snatched up by security guards who are in the employ of the wonderful, wonderful Richard Libertini who's playing a wealthy sheik out of nowhere. (laughs) Sheik Yarami. He is such a great, hilarious surprise to see it's him. I love that. the number of times that he's actually gotten to play an Italian is is amazingly low. Yeah, he always I, plays. He either plays South South American dictator in the in laws, right? Yes, or right. an angry uh, uh, newspaper editor in Fletch, or the right. other ninety uh, percent of his roles, uh, some Middle Eastern dude, Arabs, right? Yeah. Diesel in Popeye and Robert Altman's Popeye. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, right. But yeah, it just never gets to play an Italian. So. No. Poor Robert Lepertini. But he's wonderful but in this, though. Love him. And he he was speaking what my wife and I have come to refer to as uh, Jamie Farabic. <laughs> <laughs> the Arabic is spoken by Jamie Far. Which, having being a guy who watches Cannonball Run... How often? So, that's the second time that's come up. That's the second time that's come up. And only What's the first that? one, or do you watch the sequel, too? No, I only like Cannonball Run. Oh, okay, not the Cannonball Run two. And, they, and actually, when I say I like Cannonball Run, that might not be accurate. But I you, watch Cannonball you enjoy, Run. You enjoy watching it for the hell of it. Not there's a there's a, there's it. something about it that speaks to me. But um, yeah, because Jamie Farr's uh, version oh, of Arabic Izzy Mandelbaum. Yep. is to go ah, ah, a lot and yes. to say Inshula and Yala all the time. <laughs> and that's kind of basically what happened in the Arabic speaking sequences. What's this woman wearing a big hat? And then all of a sudden, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Nonsense. Utter nonsense. Very, very sensitive. Great stuff. And the way um, Columbo gets that information about Sunset Boulevard is by going to a, um, a cab company dispatch place and shaking down an ex-con, which is fun. Right. But that leads to uh, something you'd never seen Columbo, except as far as I know for this episode. Uh, later on, Columbo just says he got the information from a cousin of his who works for the cab company, which that's pretty much the show admitting any time Columbo has talked about a cousin, a brother-in-law, an uncle, it's pretty much been complete bullshit. He's just making yeah. that stuff up to throw people off. And I was surprised to see they just showed the process of that because they never did that before uh, this episode, which is kind of... Yeah, they're kind of putting it to bed because this is the, the third to last episode, or second right, to last. Right, yeah, this is almost done, yeah. So they're, they're kind of just like, let's just, you know, pave over that and here you go, folks, there's a revealing yeah. look into Colbo. He's just been lying... Do you think that extends to the wife, too? Oh, I, no. oh, I think a little bit. I think, well, no, she's real, right, but I Okay, think... so he's not just like a... Lo- he's not just like a single guy who just makes up this wife in order to create to create diversions for criminals no, but, I, but uh, I think i'm sure he he, yeah, makes he lies up, about what she likes right like in this episode too like the thing about uh when he first meets uh mcguin's character he's looking at the casket and he talks about like oh i can't get mrs Columbo to talk about this stuff she'd love this though this casket it's nice and fluffy i'm sure they've got plots all set up and everything but I think when he uses her as an excuse for things, <laughs> as an excuse for conversations, or to investigate stuff, or, I, I'm, I'm sure 98% of that, he's just uh, dicking people around and just manipulating them. But Along she exists, those lines, but yeah. 
along those lines, I, I strongly suspect that if they do have plots set up, Mrs. Columbo set it up. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see Columbo getting it act together enough. No, of course not. No. He's got and a I'm lot sure of she... other things to do, like solve, solve crimes. Yeah, so does and, she uh, for her Penny Saver magazine. That's right. It's solving <laughs> crimes on her own, of course. <laughs> Which is, I'm sure is where she got a good deal on uh, cemetery plots. Oh, sure. There's probably some other murdering mortician who doesn't cater to the store somewhere in the greater L.A. area. Uh, Has to be. Yeah. I can't, I'm, I'm growing to love Mrs. Columbo. I, don't know, I can't even What, express. the TV anyway. show or the character? The TV show. Yeah, oh, the more really? I watch it, the more I'm uh, kind of into it. Yeah. Wait, the more you... How many have you seen? I've now seen all of them. Oh, my God, John. I'm, I'm re-watching because we... You're we re-watching. Have, we, yeah. Oh, my God, John. It's entertaining. Not, no, it's good for you. Kate, oh, Mulger, Kate Mulger is a lot of fun. Says says the guy who watches uh, Cannibal Run five times a year. But all right, sure. That's oh dear, oh dear. Don't tell me how to honor our veterans, RJ. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's right. The courageous Captain Chaos. Yeah, his service in Vietnam. The highly decorated Captain Chaos. Oh dear. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Sorry. God, I can't uh, what were we talking about? I was uh, going to go. Yeah, no. Um, I was looking at my notes, bringing up some other points, uh, other lines. Oh yes. Um, how did this come up? Oh yeah, it's right. The uh, Columbo. One of my favorite lines is thing where he says he's talking to um, Eric Prince, and he says about like, "Oh, the creme de la creme," and then there's a pause. He's like, uh, "That's French." Well, you know, he's just <laughs> kind of needling him a little bit there. He's playing dumb there, which I love that when they do that in the, the program with him. Yes. Out of out of my notes, I've got uh, I have a note to make sure to mention that the entire time they were leading up to Sally Kellerman dumping her husband's ashes out of a helicopter over oh, the Hollywood sign, which is great, but yes, right. So but I thought ridiculous. Surely, surely you shouldn't dump ashes out of a helicopter. And then when they right, show the her one, actually yeah. dumping, like, she gets a snootful. Right, yeah, which is it's great. It's like the big Lebowski. It's just yes, because it's all just this ridiculous theatrical thing for show, and it's just it's all dumb. But I'm glad that they embraced that in this a little bit. Well, they cut um, it so it didn't bad bad. But why well, no? But there was enough for you. Like that didn't seem like a good idea. Like oh no, it's not a good idea. And they actually show that it's not a good idea. Yeah, but it, apparently they do it all the time. Yes, they've they've got a like helicopter on retainer. Yeah. Right. That was the other thing. Is that like a thing? I have not dealt with a lot of cremated people. <laughs> of course. <laughs> is, do you like it's very funerals? sensitive. Is that, is that like an LA thing? Like, am I just not rich enough with oh, my I don't dad? Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I like I've always uh, experienced, and also from reading about things, uh, you got the thing and you just kind of like scoop it out someplace. Yeah. You know, like we were out over somewhere. Yeah. I have a like a line in my notes that's like, ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to to do or have done. Yeah, I mean, both. either or. Yeah, yeah, both. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we were gonna. Ride. I mean, we were <laughs> never been dump... in a helicopter before. That sounds great. <laughs> well, don't make the first time you go up in a helicopter also the time you dump ashes. <laughs> why else would you go up in a helicopter though? What other reason is there? To see the Grand Canyon. Eh. To dump ashes uh, in the Grand Canyon, you mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I would do that. I would do that from a raft. Well, you're just not imaginative, John. Oh, I guess you're not. Just, you're too small scale. 
Could you do it from a one of the donkeys? Oh, see, actually, oh god, that's that's better than the helicopter and the raft. Dumping ashes from <laughs> dumping ashes from an ass. Nice. Right there, you go. That's what it'd be. Uh, that I'm quitting my job, and that's what I'm going to open up a vending thing there. I was about to say, there's that. your million dollar idea. Yep, perfect. It's a it's a ashes ashes for masses. <clears throat> okay, uh, another scene that I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, the one where uh, Columbo is interrogating um, McGowan and Kellerman um, after they've spent night. It's very obvious. Uh, that they're having the affair. And it's a thing where they're both sitting across the table from Columbo, and he's just kind of asking him, like, so uh, were you there with her her that night? And um, there's kind of admitting it in this weird way. And right. she says something like, oh, I was at... And he gave me grief counseling. And there's this weird pause, and McGowan says, yes, I did. <laughs> and it's just this weird thing where it's just... These, they're admitting that they're just, you know, nailing each other. And the, the cuts, like, I think it like, cuts to, like, uh, Falk having this great kind of bemused look on his face, too. Right. Which was very, Well, there was very, also very the, the follow-up was, so he was giving you grief counseling all night? Yes! And then yes. <laughs> just you know, had a kind of impressed look on his face. Fair enough. They were getting, they're getting on in years. They must have been, they must have been very proud. Oh, I like, do like how this, this character is, like, quite the ladies' man. Like, oh, my first God, he's banging, yes. First he's banging Verity, and then he's banging, like, he's banging Mrs. Houston. He's got, like, and then he's got, I mean, he's flirting with the waitress or the bartender who gets, yeah. um, who his colleagues are harassing. And I was like, yeah. look yeah. at you, you suave well, murder. That's one of the things. Uh, yeah. One of the things Verity accused him of was betting every widow. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. So that's more of a creep thing. Oh, he's this guy. That's creep is the only word you can use for him. There's nothing redeeming so about this character I at all. Love McGowan as he's a creep. terrible. Yes, but so, I've got my notes. Like I, this thing, I would have loved to have seen some sort of TV show in the '90s where he is a non-creep guy who owns some Hollywood funeral home and maybe solves crimes doing that. Mm. Like, that would have been a great show. Just week to week. It's got a great thing because the stories come to you. But just every, yeah, that would have been kind oh, of it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Like, he investigates the, the crimes that are hinted at by the corpses. And instead, we got him uh, nailing uh, widows and looking up butts. That's what we get. Uh, That's what we it's get. It's just such instead. intrusion. Yeah. Yeah. He's comfortable. Oh, it's it should make you uncomfortable. It's terrible. He's a bad, bad man in this, and you're glad uh, when he goes down at the end. Even he seems like he's glad when it finally comes to the end. <laughs> right, almost. He does he's seem a like weird. a little bit. He's like he's like yeah, all right, you got me. <laughs> yeah, no, and I I like the one I like the episode. Well, I, let's do a little bit more before we get to that. Pretty soon. Um, oh, there's actually just after the shot where uh, the uh, fair is revealed to Columbo. There's a sequence where Columbo is standing, uh, talking to Sally Kellerman. The entire scene, uh, they're on either side of the screen. But in the middle, McGowan, you can see him in the background just staring at them. And I thought, like, uh, setting-wise, that was actually a really good uh, directorial choice on McGowan's part. It was just kind of this weird thing. Like, you see him sitting there listening and just trying to figure out what Columbo's going to find out from her if it's going to incriminate him or not. And I thought that was actually quite good. It was well staged. There's a lot of good... St- like, when I uh, I did the screen caps for the Tumblr, uh, I ended up doing... 
I was going to say two, but I think I did three posts picking wow. images. Because there's a lot of just very nicely done shots. Well, let's think this, this episode uh, visually is just so much more interesting than a lot of the 90s episodes. Like, yeah. he actually, he tried to make it look good, whereas a lot of the other 90s ones, uh, it's an episode of Murder, She Wrote, mm. or it's an episode of Matlock, pretty much, just Columbo's in it, and it's 90 minutes. There's a, there's a close-up shot of him on the phone, which is the most 70s-looking shot uh, of the 90s. Oh, good, and it's, yeah. It'll be on the Tumblr, so you'll get a good shot at it. Plus, it also made me realize one thing that the 90s episodes don't do often is a long shot outside, a long exterior shot. Oh, yeah. And you'll yeah. see that, like, there's a lot of shots in this one. You'll see maybe through a door, Columbo walking up. Or you'll see an archway, and then Columbo's in it. And that's a long shot. But this one has the scene where he's being picked up by the monkeys and hauled into Shikirami's house. They really let them get far away from the camera, and it's a big open scene. And that gives it that nice cinematic feel. Yeah. So such a signature of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, th- this one definitely feels a lot like that. And I can't re- I don't recall thinking that much about the uh, the other one of his that we've talked about, um, that there was a lot of that in there. I mean, a couple things, but not as much as this one was. Like, he was really, it seems like he was really trying on this one to take it back to the old days a little bit, which I like a lot. Yeah. He's an, he's an old school director himself. An old well, school what, what else? Director. What else did he direct in the '90s besides this sort of stuff? Because I know he was on some other TV, like mystery TV shows at the time. But like directing, did he do much aside from that? From I know this? he did a in the '90s. I don't know. I know he did. I'm looking it up now. He only but directed I know six he, things. So no. Yeah. This is the only no, thing just, he directed in the '90s. Was he did? Oh, he directed the uh, Billy Connolly episode. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh. It's not a bad one. You'll watch it. Oh, well, Something called of... Rafferty. I don't know what Rafferty is, that but that's back in 77. Yeah. So, like, after... Yeah, so nothing in the 90s. After the 1970s, he didn't do anything except Columbo directing-wise. Yeah. Huh. Well, I think go. he's pretty much in everything he directs, too, so that's fine. Quality control, John. Ah. Television is a problem, so you got to get a right guy on there. There you go, yes. Oh, uh, um, man, looking at it, looking at his IMDb, and it reminds me the number one thing I wish that would end up on DVD that's not on DVD, and it kills me, is uh, The Scarecrow, alias Dr. Sin. Is that a film this old, of his? This old Walt Disney World of Color on ABC series, and they've, it's, been, I, it's been on my Netflix queue, my Netflix DVD queue, for maybe I, what is 10 years. I've never heard it's of it. It's a... It's an it's a pulp novel about a reverend who has a nighttime career as this avenging character called the Scarecrow. Wait, so he's like an 18th century English Batman sort of. Yeah, close enough. That's weird. I've always wanted never to see it. I was just thing. fascinated by it, but eh, it's never it never comes out. Oh, that's really weird. I never heard of that in my life. Huh. All right. Are are we up to him yelling across the empty room? Let's, let's, yeah, let's start winding things down (laughs) with that, where there's this great scene uh, where Columbo knows it's him. Magoon knows Columbo knows it's him. They're in the funeral parlor, and they just spend a very long scene yelling across the room to each other, just goading each other for no good reason, and it's hilarious. The the last line is a delight. Well, I think, well, yeah, that one, the Magoon's last line after he leaves, because yeah. um, Magoon, before that, says something about, like, oh, the problem with 
those things, you know, you, they burn to ashes. Or something like that. Ashes! He ashes. says it twice. And Corvo says it like, that is a burning question, sir. Like, <laughs> there's, they're being so hammy and over the top in that. And then, yeah, so Columbo just leaves, and McGowan just goes, uh, he's just still talking, and then eventually, John. Have you left? That's how it ends. Yeah, I no love response. that. We just... were talking before the episode about whether that's a thing that happens every time, because back in Identity Crisis, a favorite episode of ours. I know! There's, yeah. there, there's I know, where they're yelling across the room at each other, and he ends with that beautiful, I know! But I just remembered in Agenda for Murder, yes, there's a scene one too, where yeah. they're... Yeah, they're telling the joke across the car. Yes. And they, it, there's a there's that long forced laugh of his. Yeah. It's a standard. You got to you got to yell across a large distance and when just, Magoo and Columbo are in the same and, room. And yeah, and just doing like weird 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 voices. Like Magoo's weird like, "Oh, yes." Oh, thing. He's, he's so plucky. Yes, very plucky. Um <laughs> So, uh, getting towards the end, um They've got this weird scene where Magoon serves uh, Columbo tea out of a very nice, fancy tea set, and Columbo admires the, the uh, sugar tongs mm-hmm. and packets them. Like, okay, it's just Columbo being weird. And they finish the tea and go out, and Columbo's uh, endgame gambit is revealed involving a helicopter and maybe arresting uh, Southern Belle Sally Kellerman, and then uh, fishing. Uh, piece of shrapnel out of a bunch of dead person ash and that's pretty much it and then it just ends with McGowan just like well I please excuse me where do you think you're going to the police car like what that's just it <laughs> he just knows he's yeah. done I love, I love that. that I love his like last line though where he's like I, should we ride together or should we ride separately yes. <laughs> like it's like, oh, look, to the end, you're such a swab, you're such I a know, swab, creepy guy. It's hilarious, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know, it, it, it's a great end for this terrible person, and he just knows, like, eh, alright, I couldn't keep it up. And the thing is, like, he has that feeling, he plays it that way throughout, where he never, at any point, does Magoon ever play this guy like he's completely super 100% confident he's going to get away with it. He is nervous and he's sweating it so often throughout this. He gets a little cocky once or twice, but for the most mm-hmm. part he is... He he knows that he's done a sloppy sloppy murder. And he's so like cool too. about the murder and covering it up. It's it's when Columbo shows up. Yes. Because he's smoking, he's smoking in the display room. Right. Yeah. And McGowan doesn't just take his cigar. He, he but wants he, him gone. He tells him to leave. He says, I think you know where the exit is. Yes. Until he finds and, out the top. And then like, oh, okay. Yeah. Once that, once that relationship's been inverted, yes. he's off. He's on his back foot for the rest of the show. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. That's a great way to put it. Yes. And I, th- I think the pinnacle of that uh, is in the hearse. He looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. He's like backing up against the door of the car. As Columbo just keeps revealing thing after thing after thing, his eyes darting back and forth, he just looks like he's just trapped there in the front of that hearse, and it's wonderful, uh, I think, the way that's done. Yeah. Oh, one more thing I forgot. Sorry. Um, so there's the uh, cab driver that Columbo tracks down, who also was the next fence. Uh, the scene uh, where he's trying to get the details from the cab driver about having handled the uh, the old movie star's necklace it's just such a great old-fashioned i think film noir 
uh, cop movie thing where he's like, well, let's go and maybes. Okay, well, uh, maybe a oh, certain yeah. guy met somebody. Uh, maybe a certain guy got a necklace. Maybe a certain guy got... I loved that because it just seemed like a very good old-fashioned uh, crime film thing to me. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that as an example next time we encounter that faux-noir no, faux 90s BS that I hate so much. But this is a good, exa- this is a good way to do yeah, it. Yeah, but this, this, is, right this is a really... Do it. Yeah. That's exactly. I agree completely. Yeah. We've seen it done it so clumsily other times, yeah. especially um, undercover. But here, right. it works. They did it right. Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not relying on like the tropes of it. They're not showing you light shining in through blinds. They're not right. they don't have a tough talking guy in a fedora. It's really just the relationship between two people and the way they have to kind of dance around each other. Yes. It it's yeah. he's got one thing you want. I've got the information. Do it this yeah, it, it, it's yeah, yeah do it this. That's a good observation. I like yeah. that a lot. Oh, thanks. But it was John. still hammy enough that it kind of fit within the it's right. still hammy enough that it kind of fits within the the tone of this episode. Yeah, it still felt like theatrical, old-time movie-ish, but it wasn't in a really bad, ham-handed way. It was like... It that was reminds me, actually. It, it was pretty smoothly, like, thrown in there. I, I was thinking about this and about how hammy and big this episode was, and I think that's what you have to do when Peter Falk is as old as he is in this episode. Oh, to make up for it, kind of? To make up for it, because if everything was at a lower keel... His lack of energy, I think, would start to show. Ah, uh, okay. Which is why you get, like, when he's sitting at the at the table in the taxi depot and he's musing over his thoughts and that that really interesting character comes in and, you know, gives him the clue about Sunset Boulevard. Right. You know, Columbo does line, I'm just sitting here thinking, and it's well, sitting and thinking, it's fine if you don't want to eat. Right. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, no. Uh, but that guy's like a, a good, extravagant, flamboyant character who's making up for the fact that Columbo is really just sitting and thinking. Right. Yes. And picks up the energy. So yeah, I like. I think the high energy of everything is a good way to make up for, you know, the the kind of we all succumb in time. Right. To yes. the savages' age. I'm trying to remember the line from Deadwood that I love so much. No, no less of time made no less a fool of him than it does of us all, or something like that. I was trying to think, it just like kind of reminded me a line from this, too, when um, uh, Columbo's looking at the caskets and says his probably lying thing about Mrs. Columbo not wanting to deal with it, and uh, about the cost of having a funeral, though. He's like, oh, you'll both be welcome here when the time comes. <laughs> oh, so creepy. Well, let's talk uh, just briefly before we end about the way that this episode just kind of is, is a bit matter-of-fact about uh, death and the funeral industry and that sort of thing. It's there, but I, I was pleased that it wasn't a thing where, like, oh, they're playing Columbo as being creeped out around being in a funeral home or all this stuff, mm-hmm. or Patrick McGowan being... It's just like, well, it's a place where these things happen. It seems very matter-of-fact and very business-like, and I kind of like the way that they handled that more than you would see in a lot of other TV shows. Well, there are two guys who are around death all the time, like whose yes. entire business oh, that's, is death. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's a great way to be. Yeah, no, I think about it. That's that. a fair yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great way to think about it. I right, you can't think that. like, oh, he's going to be creeped out by a dead body because he sees dead bodies. I don't know. Right. It seems like yeah. <laughs> every other day. it's always murder. It's nothing but murder for him. Yeah. I have to admit, I was thinking exclusively about how old they were. <laughs> yeah, no, that's also a factor in this because these guys were both. Yeah. They were definitely both up there. Because I mean, uh, yeah. So, when did Patrick McGowan pass? After 2009. This? Okay, so 11 years and... And uh, Falk died in 2011. 
Okay, so they were a while after this, but still. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got about ten years, and about ten years before you die, you better get your act together about it. Right. That's yeah. You know? Yeah. And they were both born in, in twenty eight, I think. Or oh, no, okay. wait, uh, Falk was born twenty seven. But yeah, so they were getting out a bit in years. Yeah, but I think this. Um, well, let, let, let's start wrapping up and going around. Molly, yeah. overall. Yes. What did you think of this episode? Your second I liked it. episode As of Columbo. You know, you guys kept yeah, you guys have talked about how bad the nineties episodes were. I had read that the nineties episodes were really terrible and I so I went into this being like, Oh, I'm not So I did like the episode I like the first episode we watched better, the seventies episode better. But this was still like it was fun and like it was kind of silly and I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was good. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. Especially as nineties episodes go. This is sadly not representational. Uh, this is one of the better ones, if not. Is it the best one I've seen in the nineties? I have to think about it a bit, but this is this would definitely be up there if it isn't the best one of the nineties ones. When well, like we did our quite a bit. when we did our top five list, we talked about what nineties episode we thought was the best one, and we both agreed it was uh, Butterfly and Shades of Grey. So this so maybe is be, this better? Yeah, I think this one's better than that one. Or I they're tied. So, yeah. I say they're tied. It tied maybe. <laughs> yeah, it depends. And both, and they're both ones with guys who have done great turns back in the seventies episodes too. True. Which who is another one? Uh, Shatner. Oh, oh nice. Oh right, I read the description. Oh, and he's it. he's on such good Shatner. He's great. Speech. He's just being oh, he's a so heck of a that. he's being a heck of a Shatner in that episode. Oh my <laughs> goodness. He's the eating, best McGowan and a top-notch Shatner. And... He's, eat, he's eating the sets in his rug all at once, and it's wonderful. <laughs> it's so great. Um, but yeah, no, I like this one quite a bit. This is one where I'd say, like, oh, let's go ahead and watch, but, you know, don't expect them all from this era to be like this. But, I mean, the fact that it is, like, one of the last ones, I'm happy about, because it means yeah. kind of starting to try to go out on a higher note than a lot of the other ones. Uh, from this latter period, so I'm, I'm glad that they. Uh, this is one of the last ones because it's it's great. So it's, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful episode of Columbo. I think, John, uh, what would you rate I, it and uh, tell I, us what you thought? <laughs> I'll get to let me do the thoughts first. Okay, I, uh, I I enjoy how much this one felt like a bit of a parade with all of the different character oh, yeah, actors, yeah. all the different personalities. It felt very much like a celebration of the whole idea of the series about you know bringing in unlikely characters to fill in the background. Uh, and it's always great to see McGowan and Columbo interacting. And, and by the way, Molly, definitely please go check out the other McGowan episodes. Cause I they're all the 70s, the 70s, especially by Dawn's early light. That one is just a oh, heck of so a thing. Good. Yeah. That hey, one's great. Why we not talked about that one yet. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, anyway. So, uh, g- generally fantastic and a surprise, like, we figured out a while ago that the 90s aren't as bad as we make them sound. Right. Uh, but an episode of this quality even defies our modified expectations. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I would say if I just judged it from the 90s episodes, mm-hmm. I, would, I would give it a nine, nine and a half of 90s episodes. Judged against the entire body of Columbo... Maybe about a seven, seven and a half hair bear lunchboxes on a taxi depot table. Is that what that was? Is hair bear it was a hair, box? It was I a hair bear lunchbox. Take note of what it was. Oh gosh! I All went right. out of my way. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, it was. It was not a superb Columbo in the grand scheme of things. In if I were rating it against all the Magoon episodes, it's the fourth best Magoon. Okay. 
And like I say, maybe the first or second best 90s episode we've talked about so far. Yeah, but good. yeah, still, still a really solid episode. Definitely, if you're curious about the 90s, hunt that one down. I'm sure it's on Amazon. It's definitely worth the effort. Yeah, and also, uh, if you get the Netflix, you can just get the DVD, the actual physical DVD of it, watch it, oh, yeah. check it out. Um, or if there's other methods on the internet that we don't endorse, uh, no, look it up that way, too. Yeah. There might be it might be laying around on the floor of the internet someplace if you happen to find it <laughs> buy your shoes and pick it up and watch it on your computer system maybe I don't know. RJ says piracy is okay. No, I didn't say that. That's not what I said at all. I said don't do that. But if it's something yeah you know, slips across your lap, hey, don't tell it to go home. There you go. Um, what? I don't know what that is. What? I have no that idea. Got, that weird at the end. Got all very right. weird. All right. Well, Molly, if yeah. people want to see. Uh, what you're writing about these days, where should they go? The pro- So you can always find me on the AV Club or philly.com, which is where both of the places that I write regularly, but the best place to kind of find the aggregate is to find me on Twitter, and that's Molly Eichel, and, uh, at, at just at Molly Eichel, E-I-C-H-E-L. All right, there you go. Are you um, sure it's not vicious underscore rumors? The full address is vicious underscore rumors underscore huh? at <laughs> Hollywood underscore heartbeat dot com, which leads me to believe that they're just kind of borrowing the Hollywood underscore heartbeat dot com uh, URL. And someone already had vicious underscore rumors without the ha- without the underscore before the ad. So like, oh, now we got to add another character in there. So I call it called Philly gossip. That's so much lame. <laughs> so much lamer than vicious rumor. Well, I, I mean that's that's better. It's a it's a it's more descriptive. It's easier to remember than vicious underscore rumors <laughs> underscore at Hollywood underscore heartbeat dot com, and also terrible graphics for that promo for that show. Oh, so close on her face. Oh, uh, it, it's like the the people who designed the graphics for Crime Beat directed those graphics. It was awful. It's probably the same station. Oh, I totally forgot to talk about the the weird foot fetishy shot of Rue McClanahan at the beginning of the show too. Oh, yeah, uh, that, that's for the uh, fellas out in the we, audience. We basically did. We just discussed yeah, it. Yeah, right, moving on. We, we said plenty. <laughs> I don't think we need to say any more about that because that's it's a weird shot. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. Showing off her assets, okay? Yeah, she her, got cute her, feet. Her toe sets. Her toe sets. <laughs> she and she and Angela Lansbury can do like an erotic video together oh it's her ex- uh, yeah the, the, the angel lansbury exercise video that <laughs> i've still not seen thank god you have to watch it rj yeah i don't have to watch anything all right well that's the program this time around uh thank you again molly uh for being thank on the show thank you guys so much for having me um if you want to uh listen to past episodes of this uh, you can go to jomtpodcast.com or look for us underscore at, at hollywood uh, yeah um <laughs> Or look for us in the uh, TV and film section, the podcast section of iTunes, or we're also uh, pretty much, you can find us on Stitcher, you can find us on the uh, uh, Google podcast search thing. Uh, we're out there, just look for our, our show. Uh, if you want to follow us on Tumblr, uh, where John, uh, like he said a couple times, uh, posts uh, screen caps, further thoughts about shows, and also we repost things from other folks uh, put in Columbo, whatnot out there. It's jmtpodcast.tumblr.com. And I wonder if you can guess what our Twitter feed is. That's right. It's jomtpodcast.twitter.com. Follow us on there. Uh, we'll let you know firsthand 
Uh, we've got new episodes up. We also like to interact with folks on there. Uh, we actually had an interesting thing up today. Uh, Bill Dishy, on uh, the 70s episodes, where he played, I think, a sergeant, assistant Columbo, played pretty much the same character, but they gave his character two different first names. I don't know what that's about. we got to research that, because I had no idea. I only knew he had the last name of whatever it was, so that's crazy. This is exciting, I isn't it, Molly? Son. I used to work with uh, I used to work with Bill Dishy's son. Wait, what? No, really? You're kidding yeah, me. And, uh, yeah, no, he used to work at, I used to work at a video store when I was in college, and he worked at the theater next door. Oh my goodness! Oh, neat. He's a I, he's, he's one of my totally favorite. Right. He's one of my favorite uh, character actors from like the seventies. He was in Mom familiar. and Dad. We uh, what was it? He's in Stay Tuned, right? Is he? Let me see. Hold on. We have a late episode in IMDb search. Wait, wait, wait. Which, of, one, which one is? It's a no, like classic nineties movie that they used to play, or like late eighties movie that they used to play on the free movie channel called Prism that existed in Philadelphia and oh, okay. oh, when I was see, a kid. Wilson, Wilson. Uh, Mrs. Columbus. Oh, sorry, he was on a Mrs. Columbus. Completely different thing. Yeah. Oh, he was on the Golden Girls playing a guy named Mr. Terrific. Actually, <laughs> yeah, there he is. Stay tuned. Played uh, Murray Seidenbaum. Well, he was also like a big Broadway actor. Yeah, his yeah. son was a sweetheart. He was a really nice guy. Oh, <laughs> well, that's great. Well, there we go. He's giving me free popcorn all the time. <laughs> oh, he was in the Wackness playing the grandfather. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, interesting. He's still going. He's like, uh, yeah, a couple years ago. Oh, well, anyway, sorry. Anyway, so yes, uh, we like to get uh, Bob Dishy news on our Twitter. So if you have, and know anything else about Bob Dishy, what he's doing these days, let us know at uh, JMT Podcast on Twitter. Um, and if you want to just uh, skip all that, you just send us an email. Very easy. Columbo at thecityus.net or uh, Columbo underscore vicious underscore rumors <laughs> at thecityus.net. No, that's Thank not you. real. Anyway, that's program for this time around. I don't know. Um, takes a lot of work. I'm lazy. Uh, it's good <laughs> to finally be back doing these again. Hopefully, we'll be doing more consistently uh, the next uh, couple months or so. Uh, but that's it. That's the program. I'm Archie White. I'm John Morris. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Ladies and gentlemen, in honor of Eric Prince, Mortician of the Year, I dug up a little funeral medley for you all, and it goes a little like this. When a body meets a body in the dead of night, should a body hide a body or cremate it tonight? After the wake is over after we've all gone home after the body's buried then we can all get stoned he'll be buried six feet under when he goes he'll be buried six feet under when he goes he'll be buried six feet under and it isn't any wonder he'll be buried six feet under when he goes come on along come on along eric prince is the man of the year come on along come on along he's the reason for the beer you know that he's the one we all are here to see dear eric come on along come on along let's give the Thank you. All right.
gentlemen, let's uh, let's liven things up a bit, shall we? This is a party after all. One, two, three, and everybody sing along. Well, that is in the hearse. I'm sure you want to keep it with your other awards. My cousin, he's got one just like it from the uh, bowling league. Thank you. Uh, you'll have to forgive them, Lieutenant. Uh, you know, sometimes our business can be, uh, shall I say, a little morbid. Believe me, sir, if I had your job, I'd be doing this 